0: Section 13 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Book 3rd Durand and Deruchette, Chapter 1 Chatter and Smoke. The human body might well be regarded as only an appearance. It hides our reality, it lies thick over our light or our shadow. The reality is our soul. To speak absolutely, the human visage is a mask. The true man is that which is beneath man. If one could perceive that man crouching and hidden behind that illusion which is called the flesh, one would have more than one surprise. The common error consists in taking the external being for the real thing. Such and such a maiden, for example, would appear a bird if one could see her as she is, a bird with the form of a maiden. What more exquisite? Imagine that you have her with you. That would be Deruchette, the delicious creature. One would be tempted to say to her Good day, Mademoiselle Goldfinch. One beholds no wings but one hears the chirping. Sometimes she sings. By her chatter she is below man, by her singing above him. There is a mystery in that song. A virgin is the envelope of an angel. When womanhood begins, the angel departs. Later on she returns, bringing a little one to the mother. While awaiting life, she who will one day be a mother is for a long time a child. The little girl lingers in the maiden, and is a linnet. One thinks, as one looks at her, how amiable of her not to fly away. The sweet, familiar being follows its own pleasure about the house, flits from branch to branch, that is to say, from room to room, enters, and goes out, approaches, plumes its feathers or combs its hair, makes all sorts of little gentle noises, murmurs one knows not what ineffable thing in your ears. It questions, and is answered. One interrogates it, it chirps in reply. One chatters with it. To chatter refreshes one from serious talk. This being has heaven in it. It is a celestial thought mingled with your black thought. You feel grateful to it for being so light, so fleeting, so fugitive, so intangible, and for having the goodness not to be invisible, when it might, so it seems, be impalpable. Here below the beautiful is a necessity there are on earth few more important functions than this to be charming the forest would be in despair without the humming-bird to scatter joy to beam with happiness to possess amid somber things an exhalation of light to be the gilding of destiny to be harmony to be grace to be prettiness is to render a service Beauty does one good by being beautiful. This creature has the fairy quality of being an enchantment for all who surround her. Sometimes she knows nothing of it herself, and then it is but the more sovereign. Her presence lights, her approach warms. She passes by, one is content. She halts, one is happy. To look at her is to love. She is the dawn with a human face. She need do nothing but simply exist there. That suffices. She makes an Eden of the house. It breaks forth from every pore. She communicates this ecstasy to all without giving herself any other trouble than to breathe beside them. To have a smile, which, one knows not how, lightens the weight of the monstrous chain dragged by all living beings in common, is, <laughs> what would you have me say, divine. This smile Deruchette had. We will say more. Deruchette was that smile. There is something which resembles us more than our face, and that is our physiognomy and there is something which resembles us more than our physiognomy, and that is our smile. Deruchette smiling was Deruchette. The Jersey and Guernsey race are peculiarly attractive. The women, especially the young girls, possess a florid and charming beauty. There the Saxon fairness and Norman freshness are combined. Rosy cheeks and blue eyes The star is lacking in these glances. The English education subdues it. Those limpid eyes will be irresistible whenever the Parisian depth shall appear in them. Paris, happily, has not yet made its entrance into English women. Deruchette was not a Parisian, but neither was she a Guernsian. She was born at St. Pierre-Port, but messe had brought her up. He had trained her to be a dainty creature, and so she was. Deruchette had an indolent and at the same time an aggressive look, without being aware of it. Perhaps she did not know the meaning of the word love, and she liked to make people fall in love with her. But with no bad intentions. She never dreamed of marriage. The old emigrant gentleman, who had taken root in St. Sampson, said, that little girl makes powder flirtation. Deruchette had the prettiest little hands in the world, and feet to match them. She had kindness and sweetness in all her person. Her family and riches were Lethierry, her uncle. Her occupation was to enjoy life. Her talent, a few songs. Her knowledge, beauty. Her wit, innocence. Her heart, ignorance. She had the graceful repose of the Creole, a mixture of giddiness and vivacity, the teasing gaiety of childhood with an inclination to melancholy. Toilets, which were rather insular, elegant but incorrect, bonnets with flowers all the year round, an innocent brow, a supple and graceful neck, chestnut hair, a white skin slightly freckled in summer, a large mouth, and, on that mouth, the adorable and dangerous brightness of a smile. This was Deruchette. Sometimes in the evening after sunset, at the moment when night is blending with the sea, at the hour when the twilight lends a sort of terror to the waves, there could be seen entering the channel of St. Sampson on the sinister swell of the billows, an indescribable shapeless mass, a monstrous silhouette which whistled and spat, a horrible thing which roared like a beast and smoked like a volcano, a sort of hydra on the foam, and dragging after it a fog, and clinging itself towards the city with a frightful beating of paddles and a throat from which spouted flames. This was Durand. End of Box Third, Durand and Dilorette, Chapter One, Chatter and Smoke.